This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. They say a picture paints a thousand words, and the online world is full of imagery that makes us feel a myriad of emotions via Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn, with our smartphone-captured moments uploaded instantly. More than ever, we have brands realising the real power of the visual narrative. In speaking with Melinda Heard today, I really wish we had some kind of live video streaming on my podcast to be totally on theme. Melinda is a Sydney-based photographer and video creative who understands the importance of projecting the ideal image. She works independently with some of the best entrepreneurs and business leaders to help capture their pivotal moments and so much more. I'm keen to find out her top tips. Welcome to the show, Melinda. Hi, Amber. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So as a kid, were you that creative kid always? Like, what were you like? Oh, definitely. People used to always comment that I had a very active imagination. And, you know, I think I always loved, you know, anything got to do with stories or, you know, fantasies. And, you know, I was, I think I was a big dreamer. (laughs) Were you great at visual art? Like, was that your thing? Or did you have a variety of creative pursuits? Oh, I did dabble with a bit of drawing. But yeah, it was more coming up with creative ideas or, you know, like stories or something. Again, anything that had the imagination, it was definitely there. So I find that it does kind of help with what I do now. Absolutely. Mm. I always think you can connect the dots backwards and work out how you got to where you were. It's partly your aptitude mm. as well as obviously what you've learned. Yeah. In your early career, were you always a photographer or did you have some other things that you dabbled in? Oh, uh, photography. Actually, um, the first time I loved it was I went to Fraser Island when I was about 15 on a year 10 school trip. And I'll never forget it. I had this big fight with this girl who thought she was a bigger Prince fan because she had more memorabilia than I did. And I just had to go for a walk. I had to get away from her. So I grabbed my camera. I went walking along this Brumbies come out of the bushes and I just loved animals at that stage. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to take a photo of him. And it wasn't until I came back to Sydney, developed a film that, you know, seeing that actual visual of the horse with its reflection in the water, with the rolling surf coming in the background, the clouds overhead, that real kind of afternoon bluish grey storm, that kind of made me realise then how much of an impact an image can have. And I was instantly, you know, transported back into that moment of time. So from there, I kind of, you know, dabbled a bit more with the photography. I, I studied it in year 11, but because year 12 didn't credit towards HSC, I had to drop it, which was a shame. Yeah. And did you study afterwards? Did you do any postgraduate courses or how did you actually really start to really hone your creative skills into perhaps what would become your career? No, the funny thing is because I was the eldest child, it was very much, you know, go out, get a job, you know, get some money. What was your first job? Oh, it was corporate. It was all, I was working the corporate. So I started off, you know, doing reception and then worked up to doing PA, but I was never happy. I was never satisfied. Didn't like being tied to the desk so much? (laughs) No, no. I really, I'm an outdoors. I need to be outdoors. I need to be 
working with people and, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was doing, even though it was like a team creative role, I was sorry, it was a team role, it didn't have any creativeness to it. Pretty much, you know, like uh, I'd always, you know, on the weekends I'd be out, you know, at friends' houses, I'd be the one, the goofy one with the camera. So everyone would be drinking and having a good time but I'll be like there also snapping away like I just need to be busy and I just had that urge to be the one to capture what's going on. And I think that's, again, that's kind of helped going into events and, you know, dealing with people. The corporate world was fantastic in the sense that, you know, I I learned to speak the corporate language and there's a certain business element to that that you need as well, the skills when running a business. Totally. So that's what I want to tap into now. So how do you turn this talent into a business? Like how did you, were you, did you work for other people first as as assistant photographer or did you just take this massive leap of faith? Massive, massive leap of faith, yeah. I, and how long ago was that? Oh, geez, it was – I had my daughter, Alexis, in 2009. So around about 2008, I just said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. I couldn't really get the promotions um, and, you know, everything going back, you know, with the photography, it was self-taught. So I never did any further studies, but my husband said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, hun, I really just want to do photography and he said, go for it. So I think having somebody to back you up and to support you, that helped greatly. So, and that, that was pretty much it. And then took the big leap of faith, jumped into it. Never looked back? No, never, never. Amazing. It was always meant to be, I think. Absolutely. Well, I know how great your work is. Yeah. So to get a little bit uh, intellectual on you, yeah. I know that um, the printing press many years ago really catapulted the mass media and that's my background. So I'm yeah. always fascinated the history of any industry. And photography did the same about 150 years ago. And I think that whole idea of image communication came to the fore perhaps in the 1950s around the Mad Men era with advertising and mm. TV and billboards and yes. suddenly an image really meant something. It wasn't mm. just about the words and a picture. The picture could actually replace some of the words yeah. as well. Yeah. Over your time in the industry, have you seen imagery change and how? Like is it is it how we receive it that's different because it's now on our phones as opposed to just in a magazine or in a billboard when we're driving? Mm. Are some of the principles the same or is it vastly different because of the technology? Um, I think, I mean, if we go back, you know, like we back in the film days where, you know, you couldn't just go snap, snap, snap away. So you really had to take the time, understand, you know, the the technique and, you know, of how to take a great picture and know what to look for and to wait. I think there was a lot of patience. Um, and I think... You We're know, missing that a little bit now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's all instant. Like bang, bang, bang. Yeah. It is very instant. But I think, you know, it's good and bad. Like I think if you look back at old photographs, they really don't need any words to describe, you know, what the message is being said. Um, but with today's technology and the smartphones and everything, there's that access to be able to take more photos, um, but it can be few and far between. However, saying that again with the, you know, social media, we are seeing such incredible images coming from, you know, like not so much, it doesn't always have to be the professional photographers, but they could be amateur, you know, photographers and they'd be taking some incredible you know, scenic or nature shots around the world or, you know, if there's something that's going on, um, whatever it is, you know, like we, we are able to access it. So we're seeing a lot more. Um, so it's probably more prolific and it's just more, I think we're more used to it too. We sort of expect 
visual imagery now because we're all socially meta connected. We're not yeah. sort of waiting for the next big ad to come out. You know, I remember mm. as a kid, you know, in the 1980s, you might have the same ads for a long time yes. before that brand yes. reinvented. But because now we've got influencers and we've got mm. social media campaigns, it is short very periods short. of time that we're seeing something and then they mm. move on. Mm. Unless it makes an, you know, impactful sort of moment. Yeah, it's really yeah, changed. Right. It's, it's totally changed. So can you give us a little a description of how you create your visual story process for your client in a way perhaps that other forms of communication can't? So if you're thinking about either your photos or your video process, what is it that you do that's a bit different to perhaps how we might do it if we were just as amateurs snapping away? Um, I think it's having that moment to really think about what it is that we're capturing. Like, you know, I get to know the client first and usually I tend to find the more I speak to the client, that's when I get like a, a visual pop into my head and it's like, okay, perfect. I've got, I've got an idea of how we're going to photograph you. That's going to make sense. It's going to be different to, you know, the last 5, 10, 15 people I photographed before because it's all about bringing out their authenticity. It's all about, you know, how can we create some new magic? How can we, you know, make you come alive? So, yeah, it's, it's definitely getting to know the person. And if you've never met them before... How does that work? Like if it's just over the phone, how does that work? Oh, it's, it definitely comes, yeah, it's still that communication sort of thing. Um, do I you ask them a series of questions? Yeah. Is there a bit of a process? There's definitely a process. There's lots of questions I ask about them. Um, and, yeah, it's just finding that moment. Do you think that people often don't know what they want? Oh, absolutely. Like They're do you find people that are really great at what they do but they're yeah. either – I mean, a lot of people don't like their photo being taken, let's be no, honest. I don't. <laughs> How ironic. I know, but you just got to suck it up really at the end of the day. And um, look, I, there's that understanding of that and that's why the people that I work with, they aren't just looking for just a headshot. Like they actually need a series of images to not only cover their profile but their website, their marketing. But also now, you know, with social media, we can create more of an influence. So it would be like, you know, a person's face, particularly if they're the, the face behind the brand, you can start creating influence. You can either put up a strong tagline or, you know, you can have a quote or something that adds value to the clients that are coming to them. So that's, that's kind of the process that we do, like the, the prep work beforehand, before the actual photo shoot. And I find that kind of calms them down a little bit more like if they've got an understanding of how the photos are going to be used afterwards mm. then it's a lot easier but generally look it take i get uh, 20 minutes i still get nervous even photographing them because i don't right. know them yet of course and um, it's a very intimate thing really because they the pressure is on you to capture a lot yeah um often they've invested some time and money in the process yeah it must be a bit of a challenge just to overcome your own nerves, even though yeah. you do this every day and you're great at it. Yeah, and they're nervous too. So until they kind of get used to it, and it's usually I find it's about the first 20 minutes, like no photo is really going to work. Um, but then they'll do something. They'll just relax into their own natural state and that's when I go, got you, you know, and that's when they, it's like, you know, it becomes a lot more easier, the process, and I can sort of understand because not everyone's going to be posed the same way. That's right. You know, Body language is different. Oh, and I love it. And that's what I love looking for, body language, you know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How important are the other visual cues about, you know, what we wear, obviously the environment where we get photographed mm. in and even some of the natural environments that we might choose 
even positioning our bodies. I mean, how yeah. do you help people in that process if they don't know where to where they need to be shot or mm. and they don't want just a boring office because let's mm. face it, that really works. Um, how do you actually make that decision as as a collaborative uh, process with that client? Yeah, so again, it's just the prep work beforehand. Um, you know, like some people, they do come to me, they say, you know, I don't want a, a boring office corporate shot. And it's like, okay, then we need to talk about your styling as well, because mm -hmm. how is it that you want to come across? Like, are you a, an entrepreneur? You know, what's your unique talent? What is your unique look and feel? How do you, you know, who are your clients? Who's your audience? And it's just that dig, dig, digging and finding out. And then again, it'll be like, right, I've got the perfect place. I actually did a lot of weddings. Like I branched out and did uh, weddings. So the advantage of that was knowing so many awesome locations around Sydney, so many little hidden gems and treasures and all that sort of thing. So it's like together with, you know, like uh, I work with some stylists as well. So that helps too. So it's, it's so sometimes people probably need the additional, if you like, the, the team, the, the kind of crew that's going to help do. put them together, like yeah. whether that be makeup artists, stylists, mm. a lot of people, even with the media training work that I do, it's all about like what, what are they going to wear? How do they come across yeah. as and that's important. the right way? What's going to look great on camera? What mm. looks great floating along at a wedding mm. doesn't always translate if you're going on business TV or you no. want to use it for, you know, your LinkedIn profile. You've got to be mindful that it's got to be appropriate as well Absolutely. as beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I love working with entrepreneurs, in particular, you know, like female entrepreneurs, because there's so much gorgeous styles out there. And, you know, they have a lot more confidence and, you know, they're happy just to be themselves. So yeah, it's, it's just put, piecing all everything together. Do you work with men as well, or is it predominantly I do. women? Yeah, I do. There's some great people. That What's the major difference for? between working between men and women besides the types of clothes they wear, and obviously one's a man and one's a woman? Is there differences in their expectations? How quickly they want to get through things? I mean, is there kind of something oh, general yeah. that you can imagine that when you know that the male client's coming, you have to be more aware of versus the female? Yeah, men want it quickly, <laughs> so they can't believe it takes a whole day to get. A handful of images sometimes. Yeah, no. Whereas, whereas the ladies, like, you know, they're, they're happy to do half a day and there's so many different outfits that we need to go through as well just to give them that variety for them. Yeah, a lot of men, it's just the suit, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. So, but, yeah, I think some men are getting a little bit more trendier now. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think people wear ties anymore. I do notice mm, that. That's kind of no. done unless you're over 60. Yeah. Um, how would you describe what you really do through your photography? Is it about capturing the brand's DNA shining into someone's soul. I mean, there's a little bit of all of that. I mean, how do you really get that sparkle going in your photography? I love that. You seriously have just described that to a T because it is about capturing, you know, a brand's DNA or, you know, like capturing their soul. And there's been many times where I've looked through the lens of the camera and because you're making eye-to-eye -eye contact at some times, it's like, oh, my goodness, there you are. I've got you. You look gorgeous. I found you. Um, and that's what's going to you know, like really shine through and connect because the whole point of taking, you know, personal brand imagery is to have that connection with the client's audience. We need to make that happen, you know. We need, you know, make it look really good. Background has to work. Everything has to work. So it, it's, yeah, everything just clicks, excuse the pun, but it's amazing. But, and also, um, yeah, just, just capturing the soul. How do you challenge your clients? Because a lot of people would have a, a preconceived idea of, you know, oh, well, I've had these photos like this before. Mm. I just want to refresh. So do you try and push people to take on new challenges and maybe yeah. go somewhere they haven't gone before? And how do you, how do you encourage them to do that? I think it's more because it's such a competitive, noisy, you know, environment that we're in. It's like we 
we really need to be standing out more. And, you know, you, you mentioned just briefly before, like, you know, with a billboard, and that's sometimes how I describe to people. It's like, imagine your image is like a billboard, you know, like people are going through social media just as quickly as they're driving along the freeway. So you need to have a strong image that's going to pop, you know, and with a strong, you know, worded message or a tagline or a quote, something that shows your personality, because this is what's going to separate you from everybody else. You know, it's your personality, it's your values, it's, you know, your thoughts. So by having a series of images that you can sort of use or act as like, you know, your billboard to to grab people's attention, it could be on the your blog heading or something like that or a LinkedIn article, um, anything that will stop stop people, very, you know, the good image and the good tagline is going to help your brand. Absolutely. Now, mm. video is something which I know that you do very well <gasps> yes. as, as well as the it's photography. Exciting. It is an evolution for your business, but mm. I suppose it's where, where the market is now. It like is. people watch videos before they'll read a blog or a long article yeah. um, in, in the newspaper. So yeah. how has that sort of been for you in terms of turning your still imagery skills into video? What else have you had to really tap into to make that work for your clients? Oh, it's bringing it alive, really. Like photography, you know, pictures is a thousand words, as you mentioned, but video is bringing it to life. Um, and yeah, people, I think they're just so, you know, we've got now Netflix where it's on demand, you know, we like to watch people watching, watching, watching all the time. So video is more interactive. Um, and yeah, I I think it's, I think it's amazing. I had to take that evolutionary step because it was like, it goes hand in hand, really people I found when I was doing photography, I was always asked, do you do video? I I kept referring it off to other people. I'm thinking, what am I doing? You know, and to be able to come up and sit back and, you know, look at a script and, and again, really sort of work out how are we going to piece this together? Because, you know, you need to be doing two to three seconds less sometimes, you know, to, to piece a good video. And I, to me, it's like your movie trailer, you know, you go to the movies and before your movie comes on, you watch, you know, two or three previews. And usually those trailers, they nail it in a couple of minutes. Whereas we've got to nail a brand story or a brand message in anywhere between 90 seconds and, and two minutes. So we have very short attention spans, we well, don't we? We are, but, but it's understandable. Don't, don't watch so five busy. minutes of things now. They decide no. pretty quickly whether they want to yeah. pursue it or not and as you say that even 90 seconds it might be a lot of work to mm. even pull that together I imagine yeah and the first five seconds counts the most you know really so they're either going to love it or hate it in those first few seconds no so. pressure Mel no <laughs> <laughs> so becoming a, um, a videographer and a photographer are great skills do you have anything else that you've got in the pipeline what <laughs> else where else do you see your business going <gasps> wow good question where's the future going you know I think I think as a business owner, you have to evolve. And I think it's like every two years, you need to look at what's going on, what's happening. You know, there's so much, you know, but at the moment, um, yeah, I think I'm happy. Th- these are my two loves, my two passions. I always wanted to do video, but I could never, you know, years and years ago, like it was just too it difficult. It wasn't the appetite as well, maybe. Like people would oh. see it as a really expensive add-on, but not it necessary. Is. Whereas I think people now see it as, as necessary to have some sort of video content yeah otherwise they'll be left behind they'll be left behind and again with the smartphones they've just made it more easier but it's it's about the quality at the end of the day I'm all about the quality yeah. I know it's probably why I've shied a little bit away from and I know it's very popular things like Facebook lives and so forth yeah. because a lot of what I do is um with professional media mm. so I'm always very very conscious that you know yeah. me walking around in my active wear 
doing a video <laughs> in my local park is probably not quite right for my audience, even though yeah. for other people that works perfectly if they're in mm. you know, lifestyle programs or Absolutely. something like that. Yeah, so, you have to be on brand. I, I agree with you. You can't just dabble in it and go, oh, well, I'm going to do these videos. And then suddenly it's like it doesn't work anyway because you can invest a lot of time doing this kind of social media and mm. it actually doesn't go anywhere as well. True. True. So you've got to make yeah, sure be careful. that the audience is there that wants that content as well. Yeah, absolutely. So a number of years ago, there was a film um, that stuck out in my mind. It was called Tangerine. You may not have seen it um, or you may have. Yeah, I did, and actually. it was actually entirely shot on the iPhone yeah. 5. Incredible. Mm. And it was an interesting, um, I guess, shift from what we consider professional image or filmmaking, which is, mm. you know, often we hear about these Hollywood productions that go on for six to 12 months or yeah. more. And all the editing involved just to have our, you know, two hour film. But yep. this was entirely shot on the iPhone 5. And I guess the colors and everything were very familiar because we're very used to seeing so much film now through mm. our smartphones. Mm. Can smartphones really replace that high-end filming process or do you see it as supplementary and how, how does that really impact your industry if everyone feels like they can do it themselves? Oh, yeah, they, they, it's, it's some days I think, oh, gosh, this is scary, like this is so good, even like with the, the photographs that you can get from, you know, cameras. And like, each, oh, each smartphone gosh. seems to have a better and better camera. Mm, like literally mm. the phone is not about making phone calls now. It's often about the imagery. It's a camera <laughs> that can make calls, yeah. And we can filter it. We can make it look amazing. And Yeah. Yeah, look, I think um, they'll always improve. I think the technology is there to always improve but same with the you know professional you know digital cameras and all like there's the gimbals and the stabilizers that come along with it I think it serves its purpose but for example I don't think you could shoot a high quality car ad you know that we're so used to seeing so that market BMW will always go to a high-end professional video production company to shoot that so in terms of what brands will do you think they'll still rely mainly on the oh absolutely because again it's about they've got a lot of competition too so they need to look the best and this is the whole thing too but for this this sort of movie i thought it was brilliant i i you know like documentary sort of style yeah absolutely iphones can kill it you know like they'll they'll do so well um but again it just depends on what purpose and it depends on you know, the brand and what, what expectations they want because you just look at the quality that's being produced. You know, as I said, like, for example, that was just, you know, the car ad. Um, you know, like it, the, you, people are always going to want that still. And I guess with um, people's image, images evolving over time, how often do you recommend, obviously, you know, you're in the business of, of photography, so you might say every month, but realistically, how often do people really need to update their their imagery so that it reflects who they are now and not use those, you know, six-year-old photos from <laughs> on LinkedIn and then people meet you and go, oh, you don't look like that anymore. I think people are waking up to that now. I think they are. Um, some people might be happy with that for five years. Like they may not have a personal brand. They might just be happy. Um, general rule, two years is ideal. Um, but, yeah, I've, got, I've had clients where they will want updates every six months to a year wow because there's just so much going on you know and I almost feel like you've got some amazing hero images that you would supply and then you feel like everyone's seen them I think mm. now you know it's very because yeah. we use images so much everyone wants a headshot or a yeah. bio and you know information about you that you feel like 
you even get bored of your own <laughs> images after about a year or so. Yeah. Which, you know, well, it's, it's challenging. One thing I love noticing is like, you know, if someone, say, for example, changes their, you know, profile image on Facebook and if, if it's particularly been shot professionally, there is so much comments and Absolutely. likes to it. You know? Whereas the golden oldie rule was like, no, don't change your profile photo, keep it the same. But I agree with that in, in some some regards. Like you don't, you wouldn't change it every few weeks. No. But oh, that irritates right. me when people do that. <laughs> maybe six months maybe a year you know what I mean but the thing is again it's just it's that brand awareness you know and I think people do like to see something new and something different so yeah and they engage with it clearly because like you say you do you get more comments and likes than you would if you posted something that might be you know a major announcement about Mm. a job or something you might Mm. get a couple of comments but a photo Mm. if they love it or they think it's gorgeous Mm. or you know you look your best they will definitely comment yeah they'll come and they go this is you this is just you know you look amazing yeah Yeah, lots of likes even some love hearts lots of love hearts yeah (laughs) so in terms of your own experiences as a business owner who have been some of your valued mentors and peers and what have they taught you about success in life have you got a couple of people that have really helped I guess get you to that next level and they don't have to be famous like or they Mm. they can be members of your family even but Mm. you know that couple of people that you always think oh wow I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for some of their advice or I still recall the time they told me that I needed yeah. to do this and I did it and it changed everything. I think pretty much from the the moment I started my business, I knew I had to get out and network. So I've surrounded myself with, you know, smart people or, you know, people who run businesses because I'm constantly on the need to learn more and, you know, and, and keep evolving. So there's been great um you know, like leadership and some female networks I've been a part of. She Business was one for a while. I'm now part of LBD, like Little Black Dress Group um, with Janine Garner, and I think she's amazing. Um, and just with the women in that group as well, I've just learned so much and there's a lot of support. So I think it's like it goes two ways. But I one particular person who I've been watching lately is Glenn Carlson. Now, he is incredible. He, and what do you like about Glenn? Well, I just think if you look at his Facebook, his videos are amazing. Like he's mixed it up with, you know, a little bit of infographics, but he's got the confidence, you know. Um, he's adding so much value to his viewers. And, yeah, the way he's put it all together. So it'll, it'll have him, it'll go to infographics, but the message is just always the same. It's coming from a place of help. Um, and, he, you know, all his brand photos are brilliant as well. Unfortunately, I haven't done it. <laughs> Glenn, if you're listening. Yeah, Glenn, I'm keen to work with you. <laughs> Interesting. But so you really can be influenced by people clearly that you have never met. That sounds yeah. like it. it doesn't just have to be those touch points where you're actually physically with them. You can actually be inspired oh, and mentored I, I'm inspired externally. very much by him, but I'm also fascinated what he does because this is how I'm sort of wanting, you know, people who I work with to say, look, this is how you can do this too, you know. You can. You just got to be brave and have a go. Absolutely. And uh, to wrap up, what would be your final checklist of advice for anyone trying to master the politics of image? Maybe one, two, or three tips that you'd love to leave the listeners with. I think number one would be know your message. I think that's really important. Like, who are you? What's your message? What What do you have to offer people? Because I think that's going to work powerfully with your imagery. Um, and then you know, think about how it is that what is. How do you want people to feel when they look at your photo, you know? So that can come down to, you know, uh, your, your presence or, or the background of an image, the styling of your clothes, like all that is so important. Um, and, yeah, and then just let go, have fun. 
you know, get into a little bit of an acting moment, have a sip of champagne if you need to, but this isn't painful, you know. This is just fun and, you know, this is going to help. And it'll benefit you at the end of the day, I guess. So that's People have to always remember that, Yeah, particularly if they don't enjoy the process. Yeah, exactly. They'll enjoy it afterwards, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. If you want to contact Melinda Hurd, um, her details will be on our show notes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespokecoms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.